Absolute power demands absolute loyalty. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is Elizabeth. Welcome to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we've got, I think this may actually now be our earliest time period that a movie has been taken taken place in yes that's right for those of you who've been listening we have a recurring joke about how far back in time have our subjects gone the furthest back we had was harriet it was the 1860s followed by jack of all trades which was the 1800s and now we have elizabeth which takes place in the 15th century mm, 16th century this is the 1500s or if i'm uh, right about that Oh, yes, you're right. England in 1554. <laughs> I don't think this will be dethroned anytime soon. And Spy Five fans, thank you for waiting. I know it's been a little bit longer than usual between recordings. And we are also probably going to take a you know, few more breaks. Uh, got some stuff in, let's just say, our personal lives that need to take, be taken care of. Nothing, nothing bad. In fact, all good stuff. But So you might see longer breaks between episodes. I think actually we're going to switch to a weekly, or no, 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 not weekly, to a monthly instead of every two weeks. But for now, we're talking about Elizabeth from 1998, starring Kate Blanchett and quite a few other people who we know. So Christian, question for you. Yes. Did you know that Daniel Craig was in this when you picked it? (laughs) Yes. That is part of the reason why I picked it. The other reason I picked this is because the International Spy Museum does have in their Spies and Spy Masters Gallery a whole big exhibit about Sir Francis Washington. I'm ashamed to say I've never watched the whole thing of because there's just so much to do in that first gallery. I mean, they've got Mata Hari, they've got um, James Lafayette, they've got Morton Storm, uh, Dmitry Bestrolyotov. And I don't know why, but the Sir Francis Walshingham one never gets my full attention because there's just so much going on there. Although now that we're covering this movie and I have at least a little more idea, even though I know this movie is not entirely factual, I will watch their entire presentation on it next time I go there. Nice. You know, I feel like this movie is actually very timely. I was going to say too, yeah. House of the Dragon. Oh, you in this way. Okay. I was thinking that we are now at the end of the second Elizabethan age with the death of Elizabeth. So Mm -hmm. that also (laughs) was timely in that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. Well, Zach, why don't you start us off by giving us the plot synopsis? This is not the plot synopsis, but here is what IMDb says about this movie. Okay. The early years of the reign of Elizabeth I of England and her difficult task of learning what is necessary to be a monarch. Okay, interesting, interesting. We start with like the most title cards, I guess you would call them, um, I've ever seen in a movie. And they're not long. It's Each one is just like a few words. England, 1554. Henry VIII is dead. The country is divided. Catholic versus Protestant. Henry's eldest daughter, Mary, a fervent Catholic, is queen. She is childless. The Catholic's greatest fear is the succession of Mary's Protestant half-sister, Elizabeth. 
Suddenly I long for the elegant simplicity of Tom Cruise jumping off of a roof. <laughs> uh, and the movie but, only gets more complicated from there. I mean, people complain that the first Mission Impossible has lots of twists and turns and plots. This has <laughs> nothing on, or that has nothing on this. Nope. So we start off with a bunch of Protestants who were executed by a fire. There's a whole like thing with them like getting their, all their hair cut off. Which is so interesting, because I think of the UK as a Protestant country. Hmm? Well, I mean, it wasn't always. Yeah, definitely not to the point where Catholics could go around murdering people who weren't Catholic. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that, that all changed with Henry VIII, you know, his want for a divorce, if we're going to go back into the history books. That's right. So we also have, in the next scene, we have some courtly gossip. It sounds like that the queen is pregnant. Hey, look, there's Christopher Eccleston. Right. So by the queen, you mean Mary, yes. Queen of Scots. No. Not no? Queen of Scots. A different Mary. Yes. A different Queen Mary. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So this Queen Mary is the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, whereas Elizabeth is the daughter of Anne Boleyn. All right. I'm glad you're here to keep this all straight. I know. There's too many Marys. Yeah. And, well, again, like in House of the Dragon, there's a lot of, like, who's pregnant, who right. has the claim to the throne, what's yeah. going to happen, etc. But, yeah, so Christopher Eccleston is the Lord of Norfolk, um, and he's consulting with one of his spies, seemingly, who, mm -hmm. uh, is it a real pregnancy? Is it the king's? Well, you know, the king hasn't shared the, her bed in a long time, so we're not sure what's up with it. There's also a meeting with the queen, who's asking about the rebellion against her. Apparently the Protestants want to put Elizabeth on the throne and one of the other dukes or lords, I don't know if he's a duke or a lord, I don't know what the difference is, uh -huh. uh, says he doesn't believe that, oh, it's a Duke of Sussex, mm -hmm. who becomes prominent, more prominent a little bit later, doesn't believe that Elizabeth had any hand in it, but someone else says as long as she's alive, she's a threat. Just like in House of the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I assume people are caught up on it. But there's a part where they're like, as long as you're alive, you pose a threat to the throne, which means people are going to try to kill you, which is yep. what ends up happening in this movie. Uh, yeah, so they want Norfolk to find proof of this treachery. Also, the Spanish ambassador is played by uh, James Frain, who played Sarek on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> this movie is full of famous people. I didn't yeah. point it out, but in the opening credits, in addition to Christopher Wilson, they also had David Attenborough or Richard Attenborough. Excuse Richard me. Richard Attenborough. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he is there. He. We'll meet him later. He plays Sir William, someone or other. Right. Anyway, so we go to meet Elizabeth. She's having a fun frolic with friends. Say that five times fast. Yeah, um, her life is just perfect. It's like a yeah. fairy tale, which actually mm -hmm. this movie reminded me of a little bit as well. And when we first meet her, she's doing what I like to think is Tai Chi, even though I know it is not. It's definitely not. It's just like dancing. And yeah. she's about to have a roll in the hay with Lord Robert when mm. she's taken by royal guards. Also, at this moment, I have an, in my notes, the credits are still happening. Like, there are still credits flashing on the bottom of the screen. This is where you see that Daniel Craig is in it. So you sure took their time. Right, right. So she gets imprisoned in the Tower, which I assume is the Tower of London. Yes, I would assume that too. Yeah. And as she goes in, she sees like there are heads on spikes. Um, there's still more credits coming. <laughs> <laughs> she gets interrogated by a bunch of people, including uh, the Duke of Sussex. Well, somebody comes in and says, 
remember who you are, which is great advice. Yeah. So she, oh yeah, she tries to protest, saying that she had nothing to do with it. But no dice. She's still taken to a cell, and the Duke of Sus- or Sussex is the one who gives her a coat and, and says, you know, take this. You're cold. And also, yeah. her handmaids get locked up as well. I also thought that was interesting and also kind of funny. Yeah. But what would be more scarier is if, like, she got murdered, they would probably get murdered along with her, just because that's yeah. the way it worked in the times. You yeah. hitch your wagon to a noble, and whatever happens, you're along for the ride. All right. So Elizabeth gets brought to the throne room where she meets with Queen Mary, who's just like, you know, why won't you confess um, and that mm. you actually did this and... We find out that Mary is not actually pregnant, but it's a tumor. It's not a tumor. Oh, I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I also have a note that she seems kind of unhinged. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. And she, like, tries to... Because if she dies, Elizabeth would be, you know, the inheritor of the throne. And she tries to make Elizabeth promise to uphold the Catholic faith. And Elizabeth does a bait and switch and says, I will promise to my conscience... Just like a politician. <laughs> <laughs> and she's told that she can re- return home under guard until Mary recovers. As she's leaving, Elizabeth has to go out through like the court and sees all of the noblemen out. And they all like stop and stare as they see her. Mm-hmm. Norfolk tries to rally the court and saying, you're afraid of a- her? She's just a girl. Well, so the Catholics at this point are worried about their situation. Like, they're yeah. worried that if the Protestants take control, they're going to get wiped out, which is right. kind of like in Ireland back I, in the day. I back did in the think about Ireland when I got that tag about the Protestants and Catholics. Like, eh, I did, or I mm-hmm. thought about, yeah. Anyway, so we meet Sir Francis Walshingham. He's in France. Uh, mm-hmm. A young man who is in his room... And seemingly, I don't know who, Come he, on. like, what, I, I was yeah, you not do. assuming that. <laughs> I just totally assumed that. Uh, I mean, I'm not the only just, one. Just because his shirt was down to, you know, unbuttoned down to his navel, I didn't mm-hmm. assume it. That's just how they, also how they wore shirts in those days. But yes, okay, it is, it is coded that he's a lover. That's right. But this young man attempts to assassinate Walsingham, but Walsingham actually talks him down and like has tells him to like look outside, and you can actually see the um, see Notre Dame from a distance, like out the window. And he says, mm-hmm. you know, look at look, you know, you have your whole world ahead of you. You know, you should value your innocence, and then slits the kid's throat. Yeah, this is a great start for this guy, a man of action, finally. So, Elizabeth is going to confession, where she meets with Sir William, played by Richard Attenborough. Or, is it mm. David? Which one is it? It's Rich Richard, right? It's Richard, yeah. Okay. And he gives her advice to say nothing and meet no one who can compromise her. Not even Sir Robert, her friend from earlier, who she was about to have a role in the hay with. Yeah, he and... says, your life remains in danger. It's like, no shit, dude. Thanks for the <laughs> advice. She also meets in the confessional booth the Spanish ambassador, Again, who's played by James Frain from Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and he tells her that the King of Spain, who's Mary's husband, you know, right. is entranced with her and offers a marriage proposal. And she says, oh I like this line, like, my sister is not yet dead. And he says, well, the king already finds her bed cold or something to that effect. <laughs> but it's like, oh, these marriage proposals... So the whole movie's about. 
it gets old pretty fast. Yeah, it does. Mm. But I, it's effective, and we'll get to it later, but it's effective because not only are we sick of them, so is Elizabeth. So it gives us the exact <laughs> right tone, right. Of, you know, right frame of mind for us to sympathize with Elizabeth. But we haven't. This is only the first of many, so let's 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 get into it. Uh-huh. So Norfolk is in the royal bed chambers. He sees the queen on her deathbed. He's trying to convince her to sign the order to kill Elizabeth, but she refuses. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth is, you know, back at her house, telling Robert what has happened. The king of Spain would only share her bed two or three times a year. Robert's like, really? Only that? <laughs> we go back to the royal bedchambers where now Mary is dead. And like Norfolk is impatient waiting for the priest to declare her dead. <laughs> oh, that Norfolk. What a guy. And as soon as he does, um, Norfolk takes off Mary's ring. So basically, Liz is the queen now, which yeah. is exactly what everyone expected. But I thought it was going to be a little bit harder than that. Yeah, yeah it's it's... I mean, she's dead, and there is no other heir or line of succession. So, yeah. Also, around this point is whiteout transitions, which I thought was oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you don't see a lot of those. <laughs> no, no. So Elizabeth's entourage comes to see her, all giddy. Says that the Lord of Sussex, or oh, I guess he's an Earl. I have it in my notes. The Earl of Sussex has arrived, uh-huh. and he's the one who gives her the ring. The Queen is mm-hmm. dead. Long live the Queen. Yeah. So we go to her coronation. I'm not going to go into much detail about it. It's, But here's the interesting thing that caught my attention. She's mm-hmm. the Queen of England, Ireland, and France? Well, yeah, because the UK had conquered part of France at the time. Ah, so it's not the whole of France, just whatever part of France they had conquered. Yeah, uh, I don't okay. think they ever conquered the whole country. Okay, so yeah, so I like the coronation scene. It looked really cool, but it also reminded me when she was walking was of the throne room scene from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We find out that Elizabeth has inherited a kingdom that's in disrepair. The navy is run down. The treasury is empty. They have no standing army, and there are enemies abroad and at home. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, Mary of Scots wants the throne, as does Norfolk, and Sir William tells her that she will not be secure until she marries and has an heir. Uh-huh. But Elizabeth sort of they, doesn't take this to heart. She starts having some parties, meets a lot of folk. <laughs> and at one of these parties, there's someone lurking in the background, and it's Walshingham. Elizabeth again meets the Spanish ambassador, who sort of like tries to remind her, like, you have this offer. And then Elizabeth notices Walshingham and asks Sir, Sir William who he is. Apparently, he's recently returned from exile, and she's a He's been appointed by Sir William to advise and protect Elizabeth. Nice. She also meets the French ambassador who brings an offer of marriage from the Duke of Anjou. Um, And here we have some politicking. Apparently, the Duke of Anjou's aunt, the uh, Mary (laughs) of, what was it? Mary of Guise has been like uh, squatting on some land in Scotland, apparently. So it is weird how you have the ambassador from France, but she's also the queen of France. Yeah. No, so Mary of Guise is not the queen of France. She's just French. That's right. Yeah. And I got to say, it's interesting how she's depicted as so villainous here, because another movie came out, I think, last year called Mary, Queen of Scots, where she's the main character. Elizabeth's the villain. 
Except we don't meet. That's not. That's also not Mary, Queen of Scots. Wait, Mary this Mary, Mary, Mary yeah. Geese. Are you sure? Yes. All right, fine. <laughs> I want to talk about Mary, Queen of Scots already. I feel like she's not till the sequel. No, she's definitely in this. No, she's not. What about the part where all the people get murdered in Scotland? Is that not her? That's Mary of Geese. I think they're the same person. They are not. Hang on. Is Mary Geese <laughs> and Mary Queen of Scots the same person? According to Quora, not if you mean Mary the First of England. I don't know who I mean. But it looks like no. Yes, it is not. <laughs> but she yeah. was called Bloody Mary. Who, Mary like of Geese? No, you're thinking of Mary the First. Oh, God. This is why I don't understand these people who are super into British history. I'm not even that into it, but I like it's, I think this has actually helped me sort of sort out who all the different Marys are. This is why I like Ireland. They never had kings, except for that one guy. No joke. They had plenty of kings. <laughs> the other thing we have going on here, here in terms of intrigue is that Washington is greeting Norfolk. Apparently they know each other and is like, surprise? No, just slightly disappointed. And then Elizabeth goes and dances with Lord Robert. He's like all giddy and says he wants to see her in private. Kisses her on the neck in public, which oh sets her all of court a titter. So scandalous. <laughs> I gotta say, though, not even Christopher Eccleston can look cool while wearing pantaloons. Those, yeah, I was like, wow, that, that's an outfit. No, you know, he, <laughs> you, you really can't pull those off anymore. Not anyone, I dare say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no. Anyway, so. In the hallway to the royal bed chambers, all the ladies in waiting, or so. What's the difference between a lady in waiting and a handmaid? I have no idea. I call them both the same thing. Yeah, I'm for they're probably interchangeable terms. Uh, okay, um, but yeah, they're all giddy and like, oh, ooh, they're gonna, they're gonna have sex. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then <laughs> I interpreted uh, them more as like as their boss is getting happier their station in life is going to increase well i mean they're all giddy because they and they see lord robert coming and they know exactly what's going down in there oh my gosh they see everything before that happens though sir william comes oh. by and tells them that he wants to see elizabeth's bedsheets every morning to ensure her quote unquote proper functions well there's a quote here where he says your body belongs to the state which is yeah. so sinister and scary and the, the it's it's even worse. It's Her Majesty's body and person are no longer her own property. They belong mm. to the state. It's like wow, that's yeah, yeah. But talk about the price of being a queen. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so we have this quite long love scene between Robert and Elizabeth as they're like undressing each other and kissing each other. Mm. And so here's in my notes. I have so much for the Virgin Queen. Ew, that wasn't her, though. I thought that was Victoria. No, this is her. This is her? Oh, okay. okay get, you... We've established that I can't keep them all straight, all right? <laughs> Don't at me. Queen Victoria is the grandmother of, like, three different monarchs during World War II, or World War One. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, definitely not a virgin. <laughs> Norfolk comes to see Elizabeth. She's still in bed, and he like barges through like everyone, even though said she's not, she's not, you know, um, ready yet. And he says, "I have some grave news. Apparently, Mary of Guise, who is the aunt to the Duke of Anjou, who we have not met yet, but we will, 
Uh-huh. has increased the French garrison on Scotland by 4,000 men. Norfolk wants to march immediately upon Scotland, whereas Elizabeth wants to send emissaries. He says there's no time, and all of the other people, all of her advisors, agree with Norfolk, even Lord Robert. And so she turns to Walsham and says, and asks what he thinks, and he says to move slowly and starts quoting Machiavelli. <laughs> well, he what? He seems like a total fanboy. I mean, like, because that caught my attention because she's like, like, he starts saying a prince should do this. I was like, but she is a queen. Oh, this is, this is, he's quoting <laughs> Real Principe, which I have a sidebar. I have a terrible story about the, uh, oh, about yeah? the prince. I got to hear it now. All right. So this is in, this is in college. I had, I forget what even the class was. I think it was ethics, maybe something. I don't know. The teacher insisted that it was not Il Principe, but it was called Two Principal by Machiavelli. Uh-huh. And I was, I was like, uh, or like she wrote it on board, I was talking about Machiavelli and started talking about Two Principles. Like, um, do you mean Il Principe? Like the prince? Is it like, no, no, I mean, it's called Two Principles. Are, are, you, are you sure? And insisted and kept insisting on it and gave me a lower grade because I insisted on it. Oh, that's too bad. Right. Well, I was just, the name on Wikipedia. I, I did, and I was like, um, and I like even showed people around me, and they're just like, you know, you're definitely right. I don't know what's going on here. That's really weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, that was my that's my story about the prince. That's your the prince story. <laughs> the handmaids are helping Elizabeth get changed. Where we see a thunder, and this is a this is very like um. It's a montage. You got yes. the blood in the river, dead soldiers. We get the title card of Scotland. We see all these defeated troops. Yeah, one of the dead bodies looks like Liv Schreiber. <laughs> That's one of my notes. Interesting. I didn't notice him. It probably he may have been. <laughs> I don't know. What was he doing in 1998? He's probably pretty young. Yeah. And this French woman is stopping her soldiers from finishing off a child soldier. And instead, she wipes off wipes off his brow with with the French flag, or like a piece of the French flag, and tell, sends him back to the queen. So this is Mary of Guise. This is not Mary the First, yes, nor is Mary of even, even though it's in Scotland, yes. Stupid movie. <laughs> says yeah, sends her back with a message, basically. So Elizabeth gets the message, and none of her counselors are around. She goes to some private chambers and sees a portrait of her father. And while she's in there, Walshingham finds her. So really quickly, she sees a portrait of Henry VIII and she's like, Father, please, I want to be like you. Help me rule like you. And it's supposed to be this big dramatic moment. But it's hard because Henry VIII is such a joke now. (laughs) Right? He's the one with the wives. He's the one that the song is about him. Which song? He's the fat one. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am by Herman's Hermits. You know that song? I've never heard that. No. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to send it to you. It's super yeah, catchy. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny that he's this heroic king in the movie, where I've literally never seen him depicted like that in any other medium. Usually, the opposite. Is he the topic of the Tudors TV show? No, I haven't seen that. I've never either, but I think he is. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. So he says that she's he's supposed to protect her, and she says that she's because of this whole ordeal with the war on Scotland. She's been proven unfit to rule. The 
bishops apparently wouldn't let proper soldiers be sent and said like sent child soldiers oh. and all of the bishops are against her yeah he also says that she's not expected to survive for that much longer yeah, yeah. So that's interesting too so elizabeth goes to find robert who apparently has was out hunting mm-hmm. instead of you know being there to you know help either comfort her or counsel her and Sir William arrives with an emissary from Mary of Guise who says that they promise no more attacks if she considers the proposal of the Duke of Anjou. Elizabeth concedes that she can invite the Duke so that they can at least meet. And Robert is jealous, of course, and they fight. And Sir William reveals that Lord Robert's father was a traitor and that he will probably end up the same way. So what do you think about Robert? What are your thoughts? How do you I feel? Couldn't take him seriously. Yeah. Well, one, he always reminds like the his look just reminded me of uh, the Captain Hook from Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And he just played. I feel like he wasn't quite right for the role. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't do the smolder, so he like overacted. Uh, Carolyn thought the exact same thing. He's just like <laughs> there's something that didn't just didn't work with him. I feel like he's one of those people that you see in older movies where the main character is super into them and the audience cannot figure out why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see it. And I, I think and I think it's not a, not a fault of the actor. I think it's just miscasting. I mean, regardless of what it is, the whole yeah. kind of movie is built on this and it's not great. It's not great, Tad. <laughs> we see Norfolk... With his spy, the woman... I guess, is she like a maid or one of the ma- wait, ladies-in-waiting? Yeah. See, yeah. that's something interesting. I think about this with Game of Thrones. So yeah. back in the day, when they had no technology, but you had a lot of labor, you had yeah. a lot of people to do all the stuff. Right? Yeah. Wash your clothes, cut the wood, burn the stuff, heat your house, etc. There's a lot of people. And you better hope they're all trustworthy because it'd be really easy to spy on you because there's people everywhere. Yeah, I think even Elizabeth listeners, says I have no privacy. Listeners can't see me raising my eyebrows so high that they're fault they're off of my forehead because you had the such a problem with this exact plot in the King's Man. In the King's Man? Oh, yeah. right. The, the the fact that all the servants were this network of spies. No, that's the one thing in the Kingsman I did not have a problem. With, no, as you recall, you can, recall. No, no, you can go back and look. I go back and listen. Very <laughs> sure that you were like this. Was like that's it. That's their whole plot. That's why they're so good. It's like that's 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 it. You uh, you were so like you're like how are they how would they get all that information from just having the servants all tell people stuff? I think we may be misremembering. Oh, I remember it very well. But, okay. you know, listeners, go roll back the tape. Listen, you can go ahead and listen to our coverage of The King's Man. And right. you know, let us know who was actually right. But for now, let's focus on Elizabeth. Yes, yes. So we see, yeah, so Norfolk is with, yeah, his spy. They're getting dressed. He says he wants to see Elizabeth fail. And so that's why he's going to this meeting. Mm-hmm. And we go over to Elizabeth, who is practicing her speech to all the bishops. Yeah, this was funny. I like that. She's like imagining all the bishops and like even like going to the room, just imagining walking down that that uh, walkway, Mm -hmm. and she's like starting her speech over and over again, starting different parts of it. 
Zach is someone who likes to do public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, you do. I would how say did so, this, yeah. How did this strike you as like, like in that. terms of practicing? And yeah, yeah, it was funny, and yet it was a nice break from her just kind of staring and like so serious <laughs> all the time. So the thing that she's trying to get through is this called the act of uniformity. We go to her, like it transitions into her actually making her speech. There's a lot of, you know, negative sounds from all the bishops. <laughs> we also found that Washington locked a couple of the most outspoken bishops in the room. Yeah, more than a couple, like seven. <laughs> like seven of them. Okay, I, I, I counted that right. Okay. Yeah. And in addition to the, to the bishops, there's also like her council. And one of them proposes that, you know, if you were married, this would all be, you know, resolved. And she points out that you, sir, have been married, divorced twice, and on an hour on your third wife. Eh, got him. <laughs> My mood is not this marriage shit again. <laughs> it was also funny, the multiple divorce guy, he even uses the term sanctity of marriage. Right. Uh, uh, which is a little bit dated now, but <laughs> back in the day when gay marriage was an issue, that's something people would say a lot. I mean, let's not get into politics here, but yeah. <laughs> Let's get back into Elizabethan politics. Much more relevant. There you go. There you go. Anyway, so Walshingham frees the bishops and tells them that Elizabeth has won the argument by five votes. So, yeah, if they'd been there, they could have actually Mm -hmm. got in their favor. But, oh, no. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have the Duke of Anjou arriving by boat. And I I like this because you have this one guy in the front who... You would rightfully assume is the Duke of Anjou, and as mm. he's play like as he's coming, he has this whole band entourage around him, and like as the supposed Duke is about to greet Elizabeth, this flautist comes up and starts like playing really obnoxiously right at Elizabeth, and then reveals that he's actually the Duke. Yeah, it's a bold proposal strategy <laughs> here, Cotton. Played by Vincent Cassell. Do you re- you recognize him? No. He's in a lot of stuff. He is. Mm. He's in the second, uh, or he's in Ocean's Twelve, as well as I think one of the Bourne movies. And he's in a lot of great stuff. He's a great a- French actor. Nice. And he starts saying some things in French to Elizabeth that the the translate, <laughs> but they soften it a little because, like, I asked Carolyn, who's she speaks French. It's like, no, no, that's it's uh, a lot more vulgar than what the subtitles say. What he's proposing. Oh, my sensitive Elizabethan ears. (laughs) Yeah. So we go over to the Vatican, where apparently they say that there's a priest visiting from England, and it's Daniel Craig. Hey! All right. It took so long for him to show up. Yeah. It's funny. He doesn't look that different than he does in James Bond. No, no. I mean, this is, what, 1998? So this is, what, eight years before Casino Royale? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is playing John Ballard, who, like we said, is a priest from England. The Pope asks uh, Ballard if the bishops still support Elizabeth. He says, no, they're praying that England may be recovered from heresy. And so the Pope says, "Hmm, well, we may need to do something more. Let me pray on this matter. (laughs) <laughs> let me pray on that it's just a funny way to put it yeah yeah we go back to england where robert is on a boat with elizabeth everyone's on boats there it's like yeah I don't know. I, it, this is a thing that we don't people don't really do anymore which i think we should bring it back you know just have just people like instead of you know picnicking everyone just on boats and having fun and drinking i mean i guess that's kind of what you do when you're like tubing but right 
eh, it's a bit more upscale with this. Yeah, it's much more upscale than like pontoon boating or paddle boating, <laughs> which is also what I've seen. But yeah, these parties that Elizabeth goes to, they're just so over the top nice. Like the nice scenes, like the aforementioned Tai Chi, everything's yeah. just great. <laughs> it's so bright. Everyone's so attractive. It's so, it's just great. Fireworks happening. It's all <laughs> it all looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Robert is on the boat with Elizabeth, and he's like trying, jokingly, seemingly trying to propose to Elizabeth, and then he's like. But no, actually, uh-huh. how do we get married? <laughs> <laughs> and over on another boat, the Duke of Anjou is noticing how close that they are. And Robert even like calls over to the Spanish ambassador, who apparently is also a priest, and asks if you know he can marry them. And he's like, uh, I don't think I'd be able to help you out there. And mm-hmm. as all this, you know, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Merriment. Merriment. Thank you. Yes, exactly. All this merriment and joyfulness is right. happening. One of the guards gets on the boat that on the royal boat gets hit by an arrow and yeah. like bleeds on Elizabeth's dress. And then another <laughs> arrow nearly hits the queen. Oh no, not the dress. Yeah, this part was great. So finally yeah. some excitement. <laughs> so the queen is taken to safety with her handmaids. Apparently Walsham is wasn't there, and like William's like, Where have you been? And mm. He also says that no one wants to enter the royal bedchambers. Robert tries to get through, but can't. And when he can't, uh, he sees the Spanish ambassador, who apparently wants a word. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that she puts Francis on the case, and he's like, yeah, let's make it happen. Washington is conferring with a spy, to determine one of his spies, to determine who did it. They're, they theorize, all right, not the French ambassador, because, you know, he was there. Also not the Spanish ambassador because he was also there and it was not subtle enough for the French ambassador or the Spanish <laughs> ambassador. And so not subtle. Hmm, what about Norfolk? Yeah, Maybe. like come on. Give me a break. He had motive, <laughs> he had opportunity. Yeah, but yeah. And the, and then the spy theorized, all right, if it was him, that means he's not in league with the Spanish either. Right. So we see Robert talking with the Spanish ambassador who says that, you know, if you converted, if you went to the pure faith, you'd gain a lot of new friends and they could help keep his queen safe. But he refuses. Mm. So Sir William is trying to convince Elizabeth to get married as she's changing out of the bloodstained clothes. Yet another marriage conversation. Give me a break. He even brings in the French ambassador who wants an answer to the Duke's proposal. And he says, well, you know, maybe the reason you don't answer is because you already have a lover. And he, like, leaves in a huff. Mm-hmm. And Sir William says that everyone knows that she's sleeping with Robert. and you, But you cannot marry Robert because he's already married. Dun, dun, dun. Shocking revelation. I, I actually did not see that coming. No, Me yeah. neither. <laughs> It's pretty effective. I, we already don't like Robert that much, so yeah. It's like, eh, all right, yeah, no, yeah. Like you, like you said, I think if there was someone who we thought actually was more charming, maybe it would work more. I mean, there's still a surprise, but I think that it would work even better. That way. it just makes me wonder: is the movie trying to make us not like him? I think we're supposed to like him in the beginning, but as Elizabeth stops liking him, we're supposed to follow that same path as her. I want to speak for you. I just never liked him. I didn't dislike him. I just didn't see the appeal. There you go. At court, Lord Robert arrives. 
there are whispers and someone is about to call him out and say, wait, really? You show your face here when Elizabeth arrives. And yep. we have these performers at dinner doing a musical skit about the Spanish fleet and English pirates. You got to mention they're dressed as boats. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> also, Eccleston's wearing pantaloons again. They still look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so the Spanish ambassador is not amused by this musical performance, and he like is seated next to Norfolk and is saying, "You know, we're waiting for you to make your move, unless you're actually already in league with Mary Queen of Scots and you plan to take ah. her as your bride." She's mentioned, she's not shown. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, you to be the one to mix up the Marys for a change, but I was wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah. So the Duke apparently is ill and didn't attend the dinner, which Elizabeth finds suspicious. So <laughs> she go declares like to the entire party that I, you know, she wants to give this ring to the Duke as a token of love. Let me go to him and give it to him. And like, the ambassador, French ambassador is trying to stop her, as is Sir, Wil- Sir William. But she's like, nope, I'm going. And finds the Duke amongst a half-dressed, you know, orgy, basically. Yeah, you could call it the orgy room. I agree. And the Duke is, like, behind the, uh, what do you call those? Like, four-poster bed. And you see an yeah, alouette yeah. of him. It turns out he's wearing women's clothing. Which Elizabeth also scandalous. doesn't seem to like be bothered by, but is also just like you can't be my king like that. She seems to think it's funny. Yeah, I think she's. Mo- I think she's mostly just relieved because like there's no way that this man can be- become king. My, she's my like, king. yeah, the perfect excuse not to marry him. She leaves, returns to the dinner, and tells Sir William that there will be no more talk of marriage, which I'm sure you were relieved by. I was. You are correct. <laughs> Were you not? It didn't bother me. Well, I mean, because I, I, I knew there would be a lot of this. I assume there would be because this is, <laughs> you know, this is an age where even more so than now, women had, you know, very little uh-huh. rights. That's what so, it's about. And their only purpose to society was to marry and have children. And occasionally to rule the country, which is what yeah, she's doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So... I assumed there'd be a lot of this, and I was hoping, as we do see, that there'd be also be her trying to change the tide there. Mm-hmm. We have Elizabeth, like, I think she, that catharsis of, there's no way I'm going to have to marry the Duke of Anjou, just sort of mm. comes out, because she just starts cackling and laughing. Yeah, and I described as freaking out. <laughs> calls out Lord Robert and asks him to dance, the same dance as the last time. Mm-hmm. And they're like talking while they're dancing. She's like asking him if she if he loves his wife, and she's like, he's like, no, because I love you, and you're st- you're still my Elizabeth. And she's like, no, I am no man's Elizabeth. Stops the dance and leaves, and everyone Aww. stares at Robert. Everyone's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> and now Robert is scheming with the Spanish ambassador who says that there may be a way to gain her affection back and save her life from Norfolk's hand. What a nice guy. Yeah. He still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pope is stamping a decree which would deprive Elizabeth of her throne and absolves her subjects of their loyalty to her. 
and he also decrees that any assassin who kills her will be welcomed into heaven. Hmm. You almost might call it a fatwa. Go off to the coast of England where Ballard arrives. He's met by Norfolk as and a few other people, including Thomas Elliot, who is Walsham's spy. Mm, love this scene. Great scene. Ball- Ballard goes over to talk to him, and he reveals that he knows that he is Walsham's spies. Who he, uh, Thomas tries to deny it, so when he does, he tr- Ballard drags him over to a very shallow pond and <laughs> beats him with a rock. And this is great. Body there. It was so exciting. Spy action. <laughs> literally and figuratively but also just visually finally they're outside something (laughs) different than just inside a castle so i will tell you at one point carolyn wasn't sure if people were in the castle or the tower because they looked the same i mean come on yeah carol what do you expect how would you expect to know the difference just from the inside Uh, yeah so, we go over back to the castle where one of the handmaids is trying on the queen's dresses and mm. was told, why, like, you know, the other handmaids are, like, telling her not to do it. She's like, why shouldn't I? We also <laughs> see that Ballard is let into the castle by Norfolk and the Spanish ambassador and that uh, Norfolk's uh, spy, the handmaid, is also there. We cut over to Robert having sex with that handmaid. I don't remember which one it was, the, but uh-huh. the one who was wearing the queen's clothing. And she's, you know, being very vocal and moaning and then starts screaming. Not like a good scream. This part was crazy. And like Robert is trying to shush her, but she's like not stopping screaming. (laughs) Right. So off in another part of the castle, Elizabeth is calling for Kat, her seemingly her lead uh, handmaid. And she sees Ballard just walking towards her with a hood and a cloak and is crossing himself. And now this... He does okay. Doesn't he look cool? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, I will tell you now that this that scene in Elizabeth is what convinced Barbara Broccoli, one of the producers of the Bond films, to cast him. Really, as James Bond. That is like just sit, like everyone thinks it's layer cake that that got him the role of Bond, but it's this scene, just him looking so, so coolly, confidently walking. Just it was like no, that's that's my guy. That's my next Cool, confident, and also scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when he disappears. Does the Batman (laughs) disappear a minute later? But I'm surprised it was just that, but also the part where he kills that dude also was kind of Bond. But that's the one that... It was a documentary, I think it's called Being James Bond, um, where she calls out that scene in particular, which which also gave me even more incentive to watch this movie. (laughs) So I wonder what scene Roger Moore did to make her... Pick him. Uh, she that was before her time. She to make was still them pick him. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Good question. I mean, probably a lot of his stuff in the Saints. I want to watch them all. But yeah, it also reminded me a little bit of Star Wars, where he looked kind of like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very Sith. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. As Ballard is walking towards her, you know, so coolly and confidently. He, uh-huh. Elizabeth is demanding to know who he is, and he refuses to answer her. And then at the last, like he's crossing himself, and then at the last minute, Elizabeth is called away by Cat, and this is where he like just very, very smoothly just turns aside and disappears. It was great. Yeah, he doesn't need to listen to Elizabeth. Like Hebrew national hot dogs, he answers to a higher authority. <laughs> 
How long have you had that one in your back pocket? Only a few minutes ago. <laughs> okay. All right, right, all right. Uh, so they found the handmaid's body. Apparently the dress was poisoned. Which I was not aware you could poison a dress. Yeah, but it's revealed it was actually a gift and it was made from French silk. So this points fingers at the French. <laughs> yeah, not exactly ironclad evidence there, but okay. As for how it was poisoned, I'm not sure. But, I mean, well, here's the thing, though. It's mm-hmm. been done, or at least proposed to have been done, to Fidel Castro. Not a poisoned like, dress. <laughs> no, but a poisoned clothing. Yeah. So, it's possible. Anyway, so we go over to Scotland, where Walsham is meeting with Mary of Guise and the Duke of Anjou. Mm-hmm. And so, the Duke is very likely very drunk, and he gets sent mm-hmm. away. And so it's just Mary of Guise and Walsingham talking. Walsingham acknowledges that Elizabeth rules with her heart and not her head. And he says he, that, that you know he knows that she may not survive much longer. And that the wise thing to do would be to get in bed with either France or Spain. Literally and figuratively. And so, yeah, at this point, yeah, Mary of Guise is definitely coming on to him and trying mm. to seduce him. And so they leave it unsaid. What what happens next? But <laughs> I we'll also find kind out. of got the I also kind of got the impression here that Francis was thinking about betraying Les. Well, that's what it. I think that's what it was made to sound like. Yes, right. So we go back to England where Robert is trying to talk with Elizabeth in private. Says that she's in danger, but the King of Spain can guarantee her safety and her throne if he if she were to marry him f- to get an alliance. Oh, no. So now he's, yeah, he's not even trying. Which is, I thought this is an ironic echo of the very beginning mm. where he was, you know, outraged that she was thinking about that proposal from the king. But now he's the one who's presenting it to her. Yeah. He's like, don't marry anyone other than me. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's falling apart. So, but she refuses and he leaves in a huff. <laughs> So now we go back to Scotland, where the Duke of Anjou is crying over the dead body of Mary of Guise, and she was found naked in bed. So I guess that's what happened. <laughs> I guess so. So seemingly, Walsingham killed Mary of Guise and made it look like an accident. Maybe. <laughs> the cliche, but he actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to England, where Sir William is advising Elizabeth to make a statement to dissociate her from the death. And was giving her all these things, not not advising. It's more saying, "You must do this. You must do that." How and dare Elizabeth you? Is you know realizing that no, you keep saying I must, but if I keep doing all these things, you say I must do, we will be a much weaker country, and we'll be more likely a part of Spain or France. <laughs> and she decides at that point she's going to follow her own instincts, not Sir William's, and uh, gives him a lordship so he can retire comfortably. Mandatory retirement, you might say. Yep. <laughs> and at this point, Walsham quotes more of the prince to her and tells mm-hmm. her about Ballard. Says that Norfolk is also growing in power and they need to act soon. <laughs> Took him long enough. Seriously. Yeah, well, he needed to gather all of his information and then find the opportune moment to present it to Elizabeth. <laughs> so Elizabeth tells Walsham to find Ballard. They go searching for Lord Arundel. 
<laughs> which makes like all these names around no Norfolk is like wow they re- Virginia really just took all of these names in there. It's the American way. I mean, I suppose wasn't Virginia named after Elizabeth as the Virgin Queen? I guess so. Yeah, yeah probably. that's probably makes sense then. Why why all these names are out here? It's a theme. Our state is going to have a theme. <laughs> so they're searching the home. I like this. He finds a hidden door where John Ballard is there inside doing inside free the stuff. Room. Yeah, <laughs> spy stuff. And speaking of. So we next go to Ballard being interrogated by Walshingham. And I like this because, like, he's definitely being hung upside down. But the camera is at first on at his point of view. So you see Walshingham upside right. down. You better get used to that, Daniel. Yeah, actually, Carolyn even <laughs> joked, like, well, at least there's no rope, you know, <laughs> knotted rope there to hit his balls. Right. It's like, no, just fire to torture and burn him. So I think I read somewhere that this thing of hanging someone like that is something yeah. the Spanish Inquisition would do hmm. to people. I believe it. Yeah, I don't know. But I did notice that his, like, screaming when he was being tortured is, like, the exact same sounds as, like, when he gets tortured in Casino Royale. Well, that's not exactly surprising. No, it's but it's just like, just like, oh, yeah, he's, he's the same actor. I mean, it's just like... Those like because I've seen that movie a lot, so it's like uh-huh. you know, it just brought me back. So, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he's not talking, and then he gets burned. <laughs> like, yes. See you later. Oh, oof. We won't be seeing him again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> uh, but Elizabeth sees all the letters from Rome, and then Walshingham tells her the names of all the conspirators that she that he got from from Ballard, including. Lord Robert. Another dun-dun-dun. So shocking. Well, I mean, we already knew this because he was conspiring with the Scottish ambassador. No, not Scottish. <laughs> Spanish. Uh, Spanish yeah. ambassador. I think I got... Because I, I think James Franey is actually Scottish. So that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Apparently also from Lord Ballard, they found a letter from the Pope to Norfolk saying that he recommends he take Mary, Queen of Scots, there she's mentioned again, as right. his bride. But this is the proof. The proof yeah. they need that he's trying to overthrow Elizabeth. Well, they need that, but what they need is for that letter to be signed by Norfolk because that would actually constitute treason on his part. Mm. And so she's like, alright, so set that up. Make it happen. The handmaid gives Norfolk the letter, he signs it, and gives it back to her to deliver it. Well, so he signs yeah. it without looking at it, is the idea. No, it's just that he signs it. Oh, he doesn't know that they know. Yes, words. that's that's the okay. thing. So it's entrapment, basically. <laughs> it's, not, it's not technically entrapment, wow. but I know what you mean. No, I'm not the, like, it is a trap for him. It's a trap. It's not a, not legal, like the legal, you know, entrapment that you would get, you know. Right. But the general <laughs> term of entrapment. Mm-hmm. The Sean Connery movie. Can we cover that? It's not really spy. <laughs> Eves, I do want to rewatch that though. Have you seen Time Bandits? I watched that the other day and Sean Connery's in it. Oh. He's not in a lot, but he is in it. Okay, all right. Anyway, so we get another montage. This is this is like (laughs) the the Godfather uh, montage. That's right. Where she's just going through killing everybody. Yep, yep. So like we see all these red weapons being readied, rapiers, Mm. swords, everything. Uh, while Washington watches. And we see, you know, one of the traitors is on the crapper. 
what uh-huh. we see people being killed we see that bishop who was you know in trying to lead the uh oh who got it the bishop who watched him imprisoned during the vote also being killed well first <laughs> he's doing some like self-flagellation stuff Oh, yeah, they totally did that. That's yeah. like Da Vinci Code stuff. I gotta say, I finally can die happy having seen Christopher Eccleston's butt. <laughs> I never knew I wanted to, but I got to. Uh, uh-huh. Thanks, movie. As this is happening, Norfolk is having sex with the spy. Yeah. The Spanish ambassador spy. gets poisoned, and mm-hmm. then the guards burst in on Norfolk. Walshingham tells him that he's been being arrested and shows them the signed letter that's proof of his treason and will be sent to the tower. (laughs) So, Lord Arundel is seemingly the Lord, the Duke of the whatever of Essex, Earl of Essex. I don't know, dude. I don't really care about any of these people's titles. Well, so he's apparently, so he's the one, the one who they were looking for and found the secret door. So he's also the one who gave Elizabeth the coat in the beginning. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So he asked, he and his wife are like begging for mercy from Elizabeth in the tower. And he's like, I won't forget your mercy. So they are not killed, seemingly. But we have the last of the conspirators, who is Lord Robert, who said, who was like waiting, been waiting for Washington to come to take him. Yeah, he says, What kept you? I've been waiting, which I love it when a character in one of these movies says something a serial killer would say. And they get arrested. But it's not Walsham there. It's actually Elizabeth. Right. And who tells him that all of his friends have been sent to the tower. And she asks, what should I do with you? And why? Why did you betray me? Why, Lisa? Why? The most <laughs> stupid answer I've, I could have predicted to ever see mm. com- you know, coming from this. You know, is it not plain enough? It's no easy thing to be loved by the queen. It could corrupt any man. I'm like, really? That's your reasoning? Could it, though, as you might yeah, say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he says, all right, enough. Just kill me. But she decides instead to let him live. Mm-hmm. Walshingham advises against this, but says, no, we'll let him live to remind me how close I came to danger. And we see Norfolk getting beheaded and all of the other conspirators except for the two you know the the couple have also been decapitated and all their heads are on spikes ned stark yeah. style <laughs> so happy washingham and elizabeth are talking in a church and she's you know saying you know must i be alone uh-huh. and washingham says that you know men need something to look up to to be inspired by the divine and as they're talking they're underneath this giant statue of the virgin mary uh, who mm-hmm. is you know a very big part of catholic culture and they note that you know she's such a big part and they need something to replace her you might almost say that as a woman she could be destroyed she could be hurt but as a symbol she could be something more <laughs> uh-huh yep sooner or later it always comes back to batman yeah and i'm glad it just wasn't a quote from the dark knight returns <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice change of pace, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I mean, I like the Nolan movies, so I approve of that. So she goes through another montage where she's getting her hair cut. Her handmaid is crying as she's doing it. We also get her flashing back through the whole movie, and then you see her with her like very, very like short hair, 
right. and like framed in white and also dressed in white and tells her handmaids that I have become a virgin. It's like, is that how that works? I guess so. I want to see a picture of this movie from the perspective of the handmaids and we could call it <laughs> the ladies in waiting's tale. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Wow, wow. Uh, Seems like they have a lot going on. Well, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot going on with them. <laughs> so she enters her court with her new look with a, like a, a wig, face painted all white. Yeah. And de- she's all again dressed in all white and she declares that she's married to England, takes her throne, and we get the end cards, like 10 of them. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Again, Elizabeth, more. Yeah, Elizabeth reigned for 40 years. Walshingham remained her most trusted advisor to the end. She never married and never saw uh, Robert again in private. But on her deathbed, she was said to have whispered his name. Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> By the time of her death, England was the richest and most powerful country in Europe. And her reign has been called the Golden Age. Which Nice. And, Interestingly enough, is the name of the sequel. Yes, I saw that. that there is a sequel, also with Kate yeah. Blanchett. Yep. It is interesting because she never had a kill. I wonder how they handled succession. Or maybe she I was mean, like, it's not my problem. That is, I was wondering that. And uh, a quick Google will tell us who she was succeeded by. Uh, James I, who was, uh, oh, was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. Ah, she got a revenge. So Mary, Queen of Scots. Who is Mary, Queen of Scots, anyways? Good question. Well, you said she was the daughter of some no. other dude. No. no, that was Mary the First. Oh, God. So Mary, the, Mary Queen of Scots, was the uh, child of James V of Scotland, who was the son of J- King James the... Uh, okay, so that's where the royal line... Okay. Yeah, uh, that that going that far back, I'm like I don't exactly know how, the, but apparently they're related. All right, so that is it for the movie. Now yeah. it's time for fact versus fiction. I have quite All a right. bit, so buckle up. So I don't want to say the entire movie is bullshit. It is highly fictionalized. Yes. Okay. So my source is the historical novel, which had a whole thing about this movie. All right, here we go. Norfolk was a Protestant. Oh. He was only oh. involved in the Catholic conspiracy to get power. Oh, right? not know. I mean, that's not, well, it is kind of implied here. Yes. Yeah, that he's Catholic, yeah. Uh, William Cecil, Richard Attenborough, was, yep. he was around Elizabeth's age. Oh, okay. So he wasn't this old dude. No, yeah. And he didn't need to be with her clandestinely. He was made Secretary of State. Huh. And then he didn't have a mandatory retirement. He was created to be Lord Burgley and then yeah. became a treasurer later. Oh, okay. Uh, Walsingham did go into exile. He was Protestant, though. The movie implies that he's like doesn't believe in God. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he did dissolve numerous plots against the Queen, including one that saw the execution of Norfolk. He was not her personal bodyguard, and he certainly didn't murder Mary of Greece <laughs> while having sex with her. Uh-huh. As the movie says, she died of illness. Mm-hmm. Henry, the Duke of Anjou, was, <laughs> right, was never offered as a candidate for Elizabeth's hand. He never came to England. He didn't even like her. He oh. was possibly bisexual, though. Oh, okay. 
I don't know, the whole cross justin thing they didn't mention. There were numerous plots against Elizabeth throughout her reign. Yeah. There was a bull of excommunication calling for Elizabeth's removal. Mm-hmm. Right. But the light, what they call a Knight of the Long Knives style purge, like yeah. the big purge at the end, it yeah. just it just didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> the Earl of Sussex was not involved in any plot. Bishop Gardner died before Elizabeth came to the throne. The Spanish ambassador died on the way back to Spain, probably because of the plague. It's controversial whether Robert Dudley and Elizabeth were lovers. Okay. The movie obviously says they were, but it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rumors themselves were damaging. They almost cost Elizabeth her throne. Had she actually conducted a public affair, it would have been so scandalous. There you go. Dudley's marriage was not a secret as portrayed. People uh. would have known about it. Uh-huh. And far from being a traitor who narrowly escapes death, Dudley remained faithful and loyal to the queen, though his affairs and later marriage to her lady-in-waiting. Oh, another oh, one. Okay. Named Lettuce Knowles. Or huh. Let- named Let- Lettuce Nollies. Okay. Not spelled like the food. <laughs> it did damage their relationship. They reconciled. They were close until his death. I don't know about the whole last words thing. It didn't weigh in yeah. on that. And then okay. finally, the whole thing about shaving her head and putting on white makeup... Yeah. The makeup was used to disguise scarring after she got smallpox ah. four years into her reign. Which they don't talk about. No, they don't. And then the same illness thinned her hair, and that's why she started wearing wigs. Uh, okay. And then the Golden Age, again, this is all the same source, was not right. something that came out until 30 years into her reign with the defeat of the Spanish Armada. The part of, the, of her reign that the Spy Museum covers is that whole thing with the Spanish Armada. I mm-hmm. thought this covered that. I wasn't actually sure, so maybe we need to come. We'll come back to this at some point. Come back for the sequel. Um, for the yeah. sequel, because I think that may cover more of the spy action that I was looking for in this. I mean, there was. Don't get me wrong. There was spy. There were spy elements here. Oh and sure. Walshim is supposed like her spy master, basically. Yeah. They should call the sequel Elizabeth the Second. <sighs> don't at me if I reuse that joke. Uh, two mm-hmm. things I wanted to touch on is the act of uniformity, what which she, you know, that whole big speech she made to the priest and just sort of explain what it is. So apparently mm-hmm. what it basically was is to regularize prayer, divine worship, and the administration of sacraments in the English church. This is from Wikipedia. So with that, she basically creates the Church of England. Mm-hmm. as well as, you know, setting the actual prayers that are used within the Anglican Church. Um, and if you live in the States, it's the, a lot of the same things that are used in the Episcopal Church, which I was raised in. So they're from, So when she says, she talks about how we need to have a book of, you know, common prayers. Like, oh, so you mean the book of common prayer that we use? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it it was like... It was like that one episode of Star Trek Enterprise where at the end of it, Archer's like, there needs to be some sort of directive that is prime that tells us that we're not supposed to do this thing. I was like, oh, so a prime directive, you might say? We need a iteration of planets that's united. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, so that is what the act of uniformity was. And it it created the Book of Common Prayer and Mm. yeah. So, that's interesting because I'd always thought that it was Henry VIII who created the Church of I England. I mean, he specifically. does, right. but he but also just doesn't really create enough of it to sort of keep get get movement. You know, they're Protestants, but it doesn't really define it as much as this does. Right. 
So the one thing that I will just briefly touch on it, because apparently it is more of a part of the sequel, but John Ballard was... They sort of conflate him in this plot. Like, they conflated a lot of different plots, but John Mm -hmm. Ballard, as played by Daniel Craig, was actually a part of a different plot to assassinate Queen Elizabeth, which was known as the Babington Plot. Okay. And I will not go... And that that involved Mary, Queen of Scots. And I will not go into further detail, because that will all be covered in the sequel, which I do actually want to cover at some point. Since apparently... But I think, you know, it would be hard to do one without the other, I think. But yeah, so the fact yeah, that uh, Ballard was not involved with this actual plot to kill Elizabeth, but rather a different one. And apparently they have to create another character to replace John Ballard in the sequel because he was already <laughs> dead. See, they had to figure it out. Well, yeah. more where he came from. Anyway, so that's what I got for Spy Fact for Spy Fiction. All right, so now it is time for our favorite quotes. I have a few. I can go first. Sure. So Norfolk, of course, is the best character. I like where he says, <laughs> she's still a child and yet you piss yourselves. <laughs> and then later he says, today I shall watch the fall of that heretic girl. It's like, <laughs> who you call it a heretic, buddy? Uh, there's a part where someone does the hokey joke about men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And he says, no men can unlock her secrets. Unless you have a big key. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to mention that part. <laughs> yeah. That was the, what was that, Duke of Anjou who says the whole thing yeah. about the big P. Yep. Right. And then a couple of quotes from Liz that I thought were cool. My patience is not infinite. <laughs> and then finally, let him sign it and let it all be done. I like that. So I've got a few from, well, this is from Elizabeth who says, like when she's in prison, she says, I ask why must we must tear ourselves apart for this small question of religion. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, to a lot of people, not that small. Why can't we all just get along? Says Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, from Sir William, the marriage of a queen is born of politics, not of childish passion. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who says this, but someone says, this is common sense, which is the most English virtue. <laughs> I will have one mistress here and no master. <laughs> and I, I like from Washington at the near the end, he says, you were Norfolk. The dead have no titles. Nice. Yeah. I forgot that one. That's a good line. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I was like, oh, I really like that one. <laughs> All righty. Should we get to our reviews? Yeah. So our ratings are on a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being... Uh, what's a really bad one? Avengers 1997 and 10 being even better than No Time to Die. How would we rate Elizabeth? I feel like I usually go first. Why don't you go first this time? Sure. So I think this is one of those movies like um, your favorite spy movie, um, uh-huh. whose name I actually just forgot. Michael Clayton. Uh, not Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. Michael, <laughs> Michael Collins. Collins. <laughs> yeah. Where it might really be a good movie. But it's not a great spy movie. Like, there is a lot of good spy action in it. Like, I like the plotting. I like the Godfather 2 style, you know, all of it happening. I kind of wish there was more of it. And seemingly, the fact that they'll deal with the Babington plot and the Spanish Armada and the sequel, maybe it's more there. So I'm going to give this... uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. Wow! That's like harsh. I liked it as a if, if I was judging this as a movie movie, mm-hmm. I would give it much higher, and I was yeah. entertained by it. But it's not 
the spy action was light. That's true. <laughs> right. I tend to judge the movies more overall, but this is like the part of Fiddler on the Roof where he's like on the one hand, on the other hand, on the one hand. So mm -hmm. the positive sides are it's different. As you know, I like it when things are different. And this True. is very yeah. different, right? Yeah. Okay. Different timelines. Christopher Eccleston's great. Daniel <laughs> Craig is great. On the negative side, though, it is rather boring. And almost none of it's true. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Yes, all right. So I'm going to average it out. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. All right, all right. Wow, this is the rare one where you gave it a higher... Like, and yeah. I, this is not... This is, again, like, you know, we are judging it as a spy movie. Like I said, I think if... Mm -hmm. I'm just going to... I want to put it out there. If I was rating this as just a movie, solid uh -huh. 7.5. Yeah. Well, like in Argo, yeah. the fact that it's not true... <laughs> really kind of damages it for me. Nice. I, I should have rated right. it lower to reestablish my rep. I've been too nice lately. <laughs> but it's fine. I'm going to leave it where it is. Alright, alright. Anything else? Or are we done here? Oh, yeah. Well, I will say that it being, you know, one of the first appearances of Daniel Craig in like a major motion picture... I almost want to bump it up just a tiny bit, maybe maybe a four. That's not a good reason. <laughs> I know it's not, but he does look damn cool walking down that hallway. You gotta admit that. Hey, it's your rating. You can do whatever you want. No, no, I'm keeping it with a four. But it was. I mean, I. I mean, I won't say that I didn't enjoy it though. Like it was, mm. it was enjoyable for me. Like I guess because I like, as you as you said, you know that all of this. Uh, Courtly drama is dull. No, I was topical. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll be thinking about this probably as and uh, awaiting the sequel, which I do want to cover. Maybe sooner rather than later. We'll see. All right. Well, until then, thank you all for joining us. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, we'll see how long Twitter lasts. Right, as long as Twitter's still around. <laughs> right. But until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended.